how I like to write, I basically do not like the superficial kind of writing because I believe that fashion can in fact be used to tell a number of things, to think politics, think business, think racism, sexuality, gender, and all of that. It's really just about having conversations with a lot more depth and nuance, but also using fashion as the base, like the premise for it. This is Marketing Over Wine, a podcast where we talk to the marketers behind the companies, strategies, and campaigns you see in the world today. You get to share the strategies and tools they use, how they manage their earnings and price their services, and the mistakes and successes they have made in their career. So whether you're just starting out in marketing and need to learn the ropes, or you're an experienced marketer seeking fresh perspectives, or a business owner looking for insights to boost your brand, you're in the right place. Each episode is an unfiltered masterclass, so come join us. I am your host, Olaumi Olaniyi. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Marketing Over Wine Podcast. Our guest on today's episode is the fashionable Elvis Kachi. Elvis is a freelance journalist focusing on fashion, beauty and culture. Over the years, he has worked with leading brands like BBC News, Essence Magazine, Folklore, OK Africa, Quartz Africa, Mail and Guardian, Them, and so many more. Thank you for joining me, Elvis. Thank you for having me. And congrats on your new role at Beauty Matter. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is the part where I ask you to send a bottle of wine as a sort of like congratulatory thing or celebratory thing. <laughs> I mean, are you sure you're not supposed to be the person who's going to send me wine, though? You know, to say, oh, congrats on this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got the job. You got the job. So yeah. congrats on that. There's a saying that fashion professionals only wear oversized clothes. Do you know why? No, I don't. Because they exhale in fashion. That was a very dry joke. I'm just wondering, I don't think I've heard that before. But that's interesting. All right, let's get this party started. Your social media profile and portfolio describe you as a fashion and beauty journalist. What does it mean to be a fashion journalist? I mean, I guess I think it's really just, um, well, doing stories around fashion, okay. you know, because um, how I like to write, I basically do not like the superficial kind of writing, mm -hmm. you know, beyond featuring designers, photographers, stylists, pretty much anyone who works within the creative industry. Yeah. I like to use my stories to tell something much with much more nuance. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So, because I believe that fashion can, in fact, be used to tell a number of things, to so think politics, think business think racism think sexuality gender and mm -hmm. all of that so that's how i feel or how i think that fashion can be used to talk about that so that's really just how i would describe fashion journalism to be honest it's really just about having conversations with a lot more depth and nuance but also using fashion as you know the base like the premise for it well i, I never looked at fashion as that i think many people outside fashion journalism or fashion writing just see fashion as basically writing about clothes yeah. or writing about the new stars and things like yeah. Yeah, it's really much more than that. <laughs> so while I was doing my research for this podcast episode, I realized that there is a lot of misconception and mix up about fashion bloggers, fashion journalists, and why some people say that they are different, others say that they are the same. But let's put this topic to rest today. Is there a difference between a fashion blogger and a fashion journalist as you have defined? And if yes, what are the differences? 
Well, basically, it's really just both of those fields, I guess. I like working in one thing, which is fashion, right? But my own opinion, I think that there are a few distinct differences. And the first one for me would most likely be fashion journalists. I guess they're much more grounded in it. Like they have a more professional approach than fashion bloggers would. Okay. Do you understand? So I'm literally currently in the UK now trying to study fashion journalism because I kind of want to like, you know, have that professional degree. Mm -hmm. But like fashion bloggers might not necessarily go through that route. Yeah. And fashion blogging in my own opinion how i see it i think it's really more about like you know content creation um because that's really how it has evolved obviously there's like a little bit of writing to it but right now with the emergence of the creator's economy i think that that's what fashion blogging really is all about you know okay. doing content around fashion and all of that but fashion journalism it's not entirely that fashion journalism involves a lot more research involves a lot more practicing in it involves a lot more talking to designers and like stylists and anyone who works in the creative field right for fashion blogging I think really just focuses on you know creating content being like this influencing influencers tapping into you know the creators economy and influencer marketing mm -hmm. yeah and all of that but basically it's really just fashion you know fashion industry generally but there's quite a difference mm. in my own opinion thank you for your opinion <laughs> I think I would liken it to if fashion blogging is a bricklayer fashion journalist is the engineer mm -hmm. while a bricklayer knows the ideas or knows something about building a house he does not necessarily know much about the terminology so the technical aspects of it that an engineer would know i guess that's the idea you talked about yeah exactly yeah yeah no that makes sense actually <laughs> <laughs> all right then you mentioned that you are currently in the uk to study fashion journalism and i would like to talk more about that but before then let's talk about how it all started the big bang of your writing career <laughs> how did you get into fashion writing wow that's so i'm just gonna give you like you know the story i'm always I'm, talking about I'm, I'm all in when, go ahead yeah when i apply for roles and you kind of want to know how i entered but it's honestly a very cliche statement but i've really always been involved in fashion since like i was way younger okay right um, yeah, I remember starting my mom and my sister, like, you know, doing everything fashion related. I literally went to fashion school, but I know fashion school in Nigeria. It's, I think it's more fashion house. So think about going to like, you know, any of these established brands and just like learning under them. So that's kind of what I did, except that for me, it felt like a degree. And, but yeah, I did like, you know, pattern draft and all of that. But before then, like I said, I was, you know, very involved in fashion, but also I had like parents who leverage on the skills of their children and helped us build on it. So I, was more of the English person so I did a lot of writing I yeah. loved communication I liked to talk and all of that but then I also had a sister who was very well grounded in mathematics and I had a younger brother who like really loved computer systems who dismantle them and then build them back up and all of that so my father saw all of that so he made me write long and short stories made my sister really do financing and accounting and then my brother is currently you know, doing computer engineering so that's kind of how we did building that. on each other's strengths yeah exactly helped us build our strengths and like we just leveraged on that but I also wanted to work in fashion right but also because well you are african and you understand that they might have like a little bit of doubt when it comes to you know choosing a career path within that so what i mean by that is they would want to be a doctor or a lawyer because of being an author like being a writer doesn't really have a very sustainable thing like they didn't yeah, think that yeah. people who were designers or people who wrote had money so i got into school anyway and um i knew that i was not going to study because i majored in agriculture and i knew i was not going to practice it to be honest but for the sake of it i kind of you know 
you know, wanted to go to school and like I just was living through it. But whilst I was doing that, I went on into the fashion school that I said, the more, more fashion house, like I'm always saying, because we do not have, you know, accredited fashion schools in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I went there and I learned about pattern drafting. I learned about fashion illustration. I learned about the business of fashion. It was really more about like practical aspects of it. So I learned to sew. So I do know how to use a sewing machine because I want to be a designer. I literally had like a fashion brand that was built on Instagram that almost of the famous people were following me and I'm very sure nice. they don't like to be because I wanted very faceless. I didn't want my face to be on it at all. But um, yeah, whilst I did that, COVID happened and one of my friends was going to Port Harcourt at the time and because of COVID, school had you know dismiss everybody mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go home. So I just told my parents that I was going to go with one of my friends to Port Harcourt okay. because I think he had like a job in there to do. I think he had to interview somebody. I can't really remember. But we went there and then we stayed with somebody. It was supposed to be for like a week, I think, or two weeks. But that turned to three months or so. Oh, wow. We literally stayed there for a very, very, yeah, we stayed there for a very long time because then there was the intrastate ban. Yeah, yeah. So we're in Port Harcourt and I don't know if you know, but the governor was like very stringent, the Port Harcourt governor, he was very stringent. We couldn't travel back to our cities. So we had to stay there. And that's how we had this prolonged visit. It really wasn't supposed to be that long. But I think it went from like two weeks until being like two, three months or so. Wow. But yeah, whilst we were there, it just didn't make sense that we shouldn't be liabilities to the person we're with because yeah. they were bringing in money, they were bringing in food, they were doing a lot of things. And it, it just didn't make sense, you know, having all of that in spite of all of the things that was happening, you know, people were being laid off and all of that. So it just made us sense for us to being to, you know, sort of look for how we could also have money and also support, mm-hmm. right? So that's literally how we started. So we began to pitch to a few people, yeah, right? Yeah. So my friend now, Robert, Robert Solomon. So that's how both of us began to pitch ideas to um, a few magazines and publications. But yeah, that's how we both started. And that's how I copped the role for being the first African fashion editor mm-hmm. for Vanity Tin in Europe. Like I'm always saying, Vanity Tin was very, very Eurocentric and we wanted to bring in a new kind of audience audience, the African audience. Mm-hmm. And I told them that, you know, I could help them do that. And I think I did a pretty amazing job at it, to be honest. Well done. Um, yeah, thanks. So that happened. And that's how I got the role for been, you know, the African editor of Vantitin. Um, whilst I was doing that, I became really, really active on LinkedIn. So that's how I started fashion writing, right? So that's how I began to like write. I began to um, interview photographers, stylists. I began to work with them. We began to create really, really amazing editorials and campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also the period I became very, very active on LinkedIn as well. I began to, you know, write from my own experience. I began to do whatever it is I know I could do. Um, and then somebody from business in Nigeria reached out to me and they were like oh they want me to work with they want me to contribute to business day i guess like a franchise of business day but it's on mm-hmm. business day just that it was going to be for the weekend and i thought oh okay cool yeah so that's how i began to work with them and i think i did that for nine months okay so during that time i then you know began to learn about pitching because i didn't really know anything about pitching. funny enough the next question i was going to ask you was going to be around pitching but, but please go ahead everything i know honestly myself and my friend was really just what we got from the internet so we began to read about like oh, how to pitch ideas um what the best format was and all of that yeah like, i, I can relate <laughs> to that <laughs> yeah that's literally how we started we began to like you know learn about how to pitch um who to reach out to what was the best format and all of that because before the 
like there were a number of successful quote unquote um, freelancers here but I remember reaching out to one of them and honest the response I got mm-hmm. you know I just couldn't digest it so I was like yeah I'm just gonna learn this to myself because I honestly try to avoid anything that's gonna make me feel embarrassed about something you know mm-hmm. obviously it's great to reach out and ask for help but when it doesn't seem like it's gonna the person is gonna you know be forthcoming you kind of have to also look out for yourself as well yeah. so that's kind of what I did yeah so I began to pitch and that's how I literally got on Van Hitten I got on business day I think outside of that I also began to do a lot of ghost writing for a very very cheap amount like I'm never gonna go into that but it was so funny <laughs> because now I look back I'm just like this is so crazy because how was I collecting like 1,500 Naira for an entire article oh, wow. yeah it was so crazy I remember when somebody honestly I think <laughs> many of us had our own beginning of wherever yeah. the money comes from <laughs> and I was so happy at the time I was just <laughs> like because I was just call my friend like oh my god they have paid me and we were so excited you know <laughs> but it's just wild because thinking about it like it was ghostwriting and ghostwriters make tons of money because obviously they're not going to get credits for it you get what I mean so yeah, yeah but I guess in building myself and my career those are like some of the compromises and the improvisions I kind of had to make you know to kind of be where I currently am mm-hmm. but um, yeah so that's how I moved on from there I moved on from Vantitin and then I, I moved on Vantitin and Business Day and then I began to have my pieces across all of these platforms I remember one of the earliest platforms for me was More Branches and Native Mag okay. Mail and Garden as well I remember reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn because I was very active and I think a number of people liked the kind of content I was posting and you know they really just loved it so when I reached out to them for help or like oh do you have an email I could send to do were very willing to help me with that nice. so that's why i got an email on milan guardian so that those are like the early days of my freelancing so currently i'm the content director for marmalade marmalade ventures like marmalade collective which is like you know this media agency in the uk okay then going on into like being like a guest lecturer for universities in south africa and in the uk um yeah those are like those are like very very defining moments for me to be honest because mm-hmm. you know it really felt like way I haven't even gotten a master's degree at the time and I'm already, you know, lecturing master's <laughs> students, which is honestly very, very well. But um, yeah, and that's how I, you know, worked at Condé Nast, where I'm currently working with Kanta, which is like one of the best marketing agencies. I have my pieces on, you know, BBC and all of those places. So that's pretty much the journey. And then obviously with the staff writer role with... Beauty Matter. Yes, Beauty Matter. And um, I also am currently working on something with Fashion Africa Now, which is one of the major publications that focuses in Africa, um, haven't really announced that yet, but wow. yeah, that's well, I, I mean, we're getting the exclusive over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's very, very inspiring story. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's more or less like the started from the bottom kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow now, when you are probably giving a speech, you can say, I started writing in a room during lockdown <laughs> with one laptop or, <laughs> or just 100 naira in my pocket. Yeah, it's funny, I, I literally didn't have a laptop at the time like I, I even remember having to force my my father to buy me a laptop that was like for like 30k and then they had to send it because then i was still in portaco and they had to use the hl to send it oh well it's been a long journey now that i think about it <laughs> well done well done well done on your growth well yeah, done thank you all right then uh speaking of amount you were paid back then the 1005 and all of that since then 
based on your career journey so far <laughs> i'm very curious about this what is the most you've earned on a gig or a role or a project since getting into fashion writing mm. i think one of the highest jobs i have been paid for when i started i think one of the highest i was paid was like 600 dollars wow. i don't think i'm allowed to like call the name of the publication <laughs> yeah that's fine that's fine <laughs> yeah that was like 600 dollars and i swear that it was so good because <laughs> i didn't see <laughs> I was still in school and it was such a huge money. I kind of like, I mean, considering, you know, the economic situation in Nigeria, you mm-hmm. obviously have to start earning dollars if you're going to keep head above water. Yeah. So it was really good. I remember I was still in school. I remember I couldn't even have the money. I don't know why it wasn't happening. I had to travel from Benin to Lagos. I had to go to the head office at Zenith Bank because I was using Zenith Bank at the time to ask them what's going on. This is such a huge money. I'm not good. There was no way I was going to move it. But yeah, there was that. I also remember working with a fashion tech company that paid me around like $800 as well. I think this was last year. Were this for just single time, one yes, time projects? So, yeah, okay. so it, it was freelancing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was freelancing. So that was like how much this publication this publication paid i think you dropped it by a hundred dollars now so they have like a flat rate to how much they pay now oh. yeah but the fashion tech company you know they reach out to me on linkedin like i said like linkedin is such a huge resource whoever is listening to this please like get on that platform to be honest because it's honestly very, <laughs> it's honestly okay. a very good one yeah so they reached out to me on linkedin as well and then we had like this really brief interview they ha- they asked me how much i wanted to collect and i was like oh this how much i'm charging so we had like you know come to negotiation obviously mm-hmm. so that um that came on and um, after writing that one article, because it was supposed to be like an ebook or so, so I, I had an article I worked with, I worked on with them, and then I also had like an ebook. But I think it was around eight hundred and something because I gave them a per word rate. So this is how much I'm going to be charging per word. Okay. Right. So I gave them that. Yeah, and it was around like eight hundred dollars or so, eight hundred and something dollars, anyways. Bola. So that's that. I'm trying to think of like there's another. I just it's it's not in my head now, but I know there was that. There was this. Yeah. Oh, okay. So another agency hit me up. I wanted me to also work with them. I literally am currently on um, a project with them right now. But I did that and the money was around like $950. Oh, wow. Because I had to move from, yeah, I was moving from, I was moving the, through the entire, because I lived on the island when I was in Lagos. Mm-hmm. So I moved through the entire island, uh, mainland, trying to source what they wanted me to do. I remember even having to like commission one drive. I was like, you know, you're going to drive me through <laughs> the day on the mainland. You know, I just going to go through that. So yeah, just like some of the highest amounts have been. This is besides um, my work with, you know, Beauty Matter and all of that. Okay. How did all of this feel though? Coming from a thousand by article. No, no, it felt really good to be honest. You know, that was like two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine moving from like two dollars. I've always seen it on my LinkedIn. I'm always like, this is so wild to me, to be honest. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was so excited. Imagine being paid two dollars for one piece, and for someone like myself who, till this very start time, I'm still very, I'm not too big on like negotiating because I really don't know how to do it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Most of the times, I have to call one of my friends. She's um Peter Job, who is the managing editor for Statement Africa. I had to always talk to him. So this is how much this person is going to commission. Am I? Do I say okay? And it's like you can always tell them 
going to you know oh this is this is what it is because obviously you're not like uk based and it's no longer business as usual because here like you have to be paying your monthly rent yeah. like obviously yeah. there's the cost of living crisis in the uk you know it's just a lot um so that's kind of how uh, to be honest like i really am not big on like you know negotiating but i guess it's something that sort of like comes with you know the job and you know knowing that oh i'm actually really bad as it's like i really uh-huh. know what i'm doing with you know these writing things so i, I kind of need to be paid my worth yeah yeah it's something that comes with it it's something that comes with you know looking at your portfolio and thinking yeah i've been on this major platform so if i'm here it really means that i have to bring something right definitely you know? yeah yeah so that's kind you of deserved it. it you've worked to it well done well done yeah. would you say that the certification the course you're currently taking in the uk mm-hmm. would you say it's having a major impact on your fashion journalism career than the particular experience that you have had all along your journey oh yeah for sure of course like that's one of the major reasons i had to leave to be honest i was doing i'm doing so well you know within the fashion journalism space like mm-hmm. fashion and culture journalism space to be honest so i really just wanted to have like a more grounded experience because all of the things i know in fashion is very you know focused on africa yeah yes and whilst you know we are also trying to like you know shape the cultural zeitgeist i also wanted to have this experience i wanted to see what european fashion was all about a well-rounded experience yes exactly i kind of wanted to also get that and also sort of expose myself to the culture and also the people i wanted to right now i think the people i'm closest to right now are from asia like they are literally indians because if you really read on like fashion news now indians are also really really one of the major people now who are having this much impact within the fashion industry everybody's talking about india you know it sort of like has moved from china maybe not moved but now um, light is being shone on you know indians as well mm. so i wanted to be exposed to that much diversity i wanted to have this much cultural um, experience i wanted to see what it was like so of course it's definitely shaping yeah. um something that i would say though in f- full transparency is how scared i am to be honest <laughs> no, yeah that's yeah in full transparency it's how scared i am to be honest because literally i'm like i don't know anybody in the uk to be honest i'm the first in my family to ever migrate wow. so the transitioning is you know mm-hmm. um transition is also really hard it's kind of scary yeah and also because within the journalism space right now a lot of media is laying off their staff yeah yeah so i guess people do not what's the word P- people barely think that journalism doesn't really it's not that exciting anymore you know like people are not really scared of the kind of stories that they want to tell mm. magazines are not really focused on more advertisement than they would with you know um, what it used to be mm-hmm. and all of that so that's kind of the fear i'm like wait do i did i really just travel to a place to study you know and, and now i'm doing fashion journalism which is much more niche yeah if it was just like you know regular journalism then i could say oh, okay i can you know focus on this and like just maybe begin to transition to something that i think is going to be more sustainable mm-hmm. but um yeah i guess we've already you know entered so we kind of have to <laughs> yeah 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 all right uh firstly thank you for your transparency thank you for your honesty mm-hmm. and i can't say i can relate to the fear you're feeling currently because well i've not been to the uk yet but i think i can relate to the fear of being somewhere unknown more or less like niching down especially yeah. for a writer we hear that if you niche down it puts you at a better opportunity for more jobs but it the reality of things especially from the country we are from yeah. you, you realize that often than not it is almost always better to be a jack of all trade because mm-hmm. when somebody <laughs> tell you can you write on the 
this topic definitely you're not going to say no you say yes i can write on it even though you have not written about it before mm. we're great at research so it just takes going to google to go and research about something so yeah i, I completely understand the fear of niching down yeah it. yeah and i'm just gonna say that i'm honestly still an advocate for niching down to be honest i still very much believe that it really places you it's really just about speaking from a place of authority yeah do you get what i mean yeah like mm-hmm. because then people are always like oh this person already has an, has an experience in this stuff so it's definitely going to but also it really sort of like you know limits the opportunities where, you have access to yeah exactly limit the, yeah it's like like how how wide they're going to spread the terms are cool so you get what i mean yeah but I, I i still think that you know niching also really just basically why i always say this is i'm always going to say that like you know fashion can be used to do anything because i know somebody asked me that and i said somebody was very concerned about it like oh that your the bulk of experiences in fashion and i'm like yes but like fashion can be used to talk about anything i really think it, it depends on how well you sell yourself to be honest like how convincing you are at the kind of job that you do mm-hmm. if it's gonna be for you it's gonna come anyways so mm, i like that i like that word and i'm rooting for you by the way i'm rooting for you great thank you i genuinely need a lot of rooting at this point <laughs> i'm rooting for you so i'm hoping that maybe in the next one year mm-hmm. we can have this sort of call again and do a feedback sort of thing yeah. on how your journey has been so far so great. i'm rooting for you and i know you'll definitely smash it thank you i hope so <laughs> well done <laughs> you mentioned that many of the roles many of the gigs you've gotten have been via linkedin mm-hmm. what exactly did you do in that route did you have to optimize your profile as they always say did you have to post on linkedin every day what what was it for you or did you have to instead personalized um connection mm-hmm. requests and email mm-hmm. messages all of those things mm-hmm. what was it for you that brought this gig you know i have been preaching the linkedin gospel for a very long time and i honestly feel like at this point they kind of have to you know make me an ambassador because i was literally you know (laughs) i was literally talking to one of my friends about it today um what did i do what did i do i think most times people get misinformed on how to use the platform true right so obviously i'm telling you now that like you know you can get gigs and jobs there and then people go on there because they want to get gigs Mm -hmm. and we all know that thing about the more it is after something the more it runs away from you yeah yeah so i don't think i think what i did to be honest was well i started doing links um somebody also told me about it they were like send personalized messages to all of these people and you know that worked for me at some point but it wasn't really giving me jobs it just made them know who i was mm-hmm. but it didn't really so what i'll do if i want to connect with you for example alani i'll look for your name look for your surname go on google look for um any of the keyword look for anything that you have said did you appear on any video did you say anything and yeah. then i'll come on yeah. to say oh i really loved you know this thing that you said here this something that you know that sort of like the personalization do you get what i mean yeah so that made didn't know me but also it didn't really bring me jobs but i think one of the things that helped me was i was very intentional about like the kind of people i connected with i didn't just i wanted to work in fashion and beauty and culture so anything outside of that didn't interest me at all it's why i'm still talking i'm always going to talk about like you know niching down mm-hmm. so anything outside of it i didn't really find interest in it i hope that i'm not going to shoot myself on the foot by saying this but <laughs> no 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 go, go ahead we're a big supporter of transparency in this podcast so go ahead <laughs> yeah well that's the honest reality 
it was it was i just knew that i want to like you know work as like a publication i work as a magazine i wanted to that's where i had the interest in that i didn't really want to write about your like, <laughs> i really care about that i wanted to special, you know so that's kind of what i began to do i began to connect with people on linkedin who were fashion editors or like you know beauty editors people who worked in magazines so for mm-hmm. example i'll look for any magazine you know on linkedin you can look for any magazine go to like the people section be going to see people who work there yeah and i began to connect with those people because then it felt like oh i wanted to work in a magazine i wanted to work with a magazine so they you know whatever it is that they posted whatever it is whatever it is that they um interacted with i get to see it as well and mm-hmm. then i began to also like you know make interactions and then i also began to like build relationships obviously it's a thing where if somebody likes my post i'm definitely going to like their post back i don't care whether or not i can relate with it, unless it's very very extreme and not something that you know i can relate with so i'm not going to do anything but if i see you interact with my post i will have to i will be compelled to do the same if I you comment to my post i won't comment to your post as well so that's something that also really happened you know so whilst doing that we sort of like began to build a community all oh, this person was coming to my post then i have to, to do that as to well post, I began yeah. To, you know yeah exactly and then um obviously you have to optimize your profile i don't that's honestly that's like linkedin one-on-one yeah <laughs> LinkedIn, optimize your profile yeah so great picture you know do all of the description putting all of the things that you have done which is role obviously putting the banner or whatever another mistake i made sure i didn't make was looking at linkedin as you know one badass professional 100 percent site yeah. that was not it for me at all to be honest. i think it's yeah. the reason why a lot of us run from linkedin these days yeah that was not me i i look at linkedin like it's facebook and instagram and tiktok and twitter like i was telling my friend today i'm not going to come on and just you know wear a suit i don't even remember the last time i do i wore a suit and a time person on linkedin <laughs> i literally have a nose ring on and i'm going to make my selfie and i'm going to post it there mm-hmm. because it's my account and i don't want anybody to come on to police me about it the current climb of linkedin now is really people who are not scared to be vulnerable mm-hmm. who are not scared to be transparent you know let us see beyond the prima proper let us see beyond all of those many many things like just come on just yeah, retail, you know. yeah like let's see it like we want to we want to see behind the scenes like do you get what i mean mm-hmm. so that's kind of what i what i did i i didn't really care about I wanted to be very professional i wanted very profesh look it look it that didn't work <laughs> for me at all i wanted to be myself and just do my thing you know that's also something i did and another thing i did was i began to post from a place of authority okay. i knew so much in fashion i knew so much in like african fashion and i wanted to build a community around that so i began to post about it because i also saw people who were saying oh you kind of have to like be consistent in like doing what because that's what you want people to know you for that's what i want people to know me for or the person who comes on to like you know do yeah. fashion talk about fashion talk about beauty could talk about culture because culture for me also involves like you know africa queerness masculinity all of that so i began to do that as well and i was telling my friend today i don't know but obviously you want to be consistent but then most but always you don't have to post this this that and that amount of time whilst that may be true mm-hmm. i also think that the consistency is not once in two weeks <laughs> i generally do not think so no pressures to be honest no pressures but personally for me consistency is not oh i'm going to post once in a month nobody's going to see you okay do you get what i mean you like you're dragging you want- all of us <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to be honest. Like that's how I see that. That's how I did it. I'm not gonna lie. You know, okay. other people might come on and just you know give um something entirely different. But this is from my experience, and that's how I understand mm, definitely. it. Definitely. So for example, somebody I was in Nigeria at the time, and there was somebody in the UK who was always coming on to talk about how they did a job, and I didn't know the person's name. And then I now saw somebody who was looking f- to hire somebody the role that that person was looking for. I forgot the person's name. The person it was so fortunate that the person posts almost every time. Yeah. So after a little bit of scroll, I saw the person's name. I had to go back, you know, to, oh, this is the person. So I had to tag them on that post. Do you get what I mean? Imagine yeah. if they're posting once in a week or once in two weeks. After tagging them, I made a post about it and mm-hmm. somebody messaged me on LinkedIn, somebody in the UK as well. Okay. Was not like, Elvis, can I get the name of that person whom you, who you said was in the UK and like, you know, was looking for a job. I think London, all of that. And I had to give them the person's profile. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Imagine if they haven't done that. that so, that's a two in one yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. So I was tagging you to something and then somebody was asking for your profile. I mean, be consistent. You want to be, but I don't think consistency is once in two weeks or once in a month to be, I generally don't think that you want to, you know, just go on and just stay, just talk. Nobody's going to beat you. I remember <laughs> somebody came on. <laughs> somebody came on and the person was like, oh, you could easily just make this post. Why are you why did you add a picture? I'm like, for my own profile. <laughs> you want to police me? <laughs> so I screenshotted that and then I made, I made a post about it. <laughs> GK, because for me, everything is content. So I made a post about that as well. Like, it's really time for us to disband that stereotype around. There's no point adding your picture because obviously the algorithm is going to like, favor you. Like, you know, if you add pictures, if you literally do all of those yeah. things, you yeah. get. So there's no point coming on to police anybody about why are they adding their picture? Oh my God, why is there so much cleavage? Oh, why are you as a guy? Why are you? Why is your head? Why are you wearing? Like, just leave people do your thing. If you, I have blocked for LinkedIn, I can't even lie to you. So, if you know the person's content doesn't appeal to you, like, just take it out. It's simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just that's honest. That's honestly how I see it. So that's how it started for me. Honestly, I was really just posting from a place of you know authority. Oh, this is kind of what I wanted to always do. So I began to you know talk about my experiences around that, and then just add like you know a little bit of call to action on it and. That's really And you started, get, you started getting the messages. Yeah, and then you nobody know, began to come on to say, oh, like, this is nice. Do you want to contribute to us? Do you want to do this? Wow. Do you want to do that? So that's really how, yeah. Wow. That's really how we started. And also, I began to reach out to some of those people as well because I began to build, you know, really amazing following. Not even now again, because there was a time my post where it hit like 500 likes, 300 likes. Wow. Like, it was, yeah, it was Same. very, I was really, really... Should have gone into influencer marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, I was really hitting that LinkedIn thing at that time. But yeah, like... After when I began to reach out to people, like, hi, um, I see you work here. I want to work with you, but I'm not sure on how to reach out. Can you send me like an email or can we talk about, about it here? You know, and then they would now yeah. um, look at my profile. Oh, this looks like, you know, somebody who really knows what they're doing. And then LinkedIn is that I'm a ball partner. It would allow exactly. you that you this would, person has checked your profile. Like, oh, okay, so you want to check me out? That's fine. You want to check me out? That's okay. So they would do that. And um, yeah, they will now reach out to me like, oh, okay, email here, email this and all of that but i honestly don't think they'll keep the same energy with somebody who has like 60 something connections and the last time that interacted with somebody was like three four months ago like mm. they're not gonna you know the activity really just it's favors it to be honest okay this is a shot at everyone including myself <laughs> uh because i gave up on linkedin i think about a year ago it started off as because of certain personal reasons i lost a lot of people in my life at that point 
and i wasn't getting that inspiration or that sort of thing or that idea to want to create content when i was in that phase i lost my jobs also at that point so it was it was more or less like a dark phase and then that lasted for several months and it felt weird coming back mm. do i announce hi everyone i'm back something <laughs> like that so i just decided you know what for now linkedin i'm going to ghost mm. i think that sometimes we really just overplay these things to be honest i i, I can promise Coming you it's from not that thinker, yeah definitely. yeah no trust me we are in that boat together like you don't want to see me overthinking things at all you know but i'm realizing that sometimes you don't have to overthink it it's the lit it's the littlest thing you think it's not gonna make an impact that people are going to reach out to you for mm-hmm. i was talking to my friend today and i was like you know what i'm not even going to be bothering so much about you know what the algorithm is gonna do whether or not i have two likes or three likes whether or not it's gonna reach 200 people i don't really care about that anymore because i really feel like it will get out to those people you want to get out to mm. you know i was telling her Preach. like you know what um, maybe yeah like begin to post because there was a time i was posting i think i be- i've to post three times every day and she was like wait mm-hmm. they are going i'm like <laughs> If they are go with him, like I'm gonna, if it's gonna get like two people, that's fine. We're going to get one person, that's okay. But most of the times, the amount of impressions you get on those posts doesn't even determine whether or not it's going to have like a really great return on investment. Like it's gonna get, you know, this really somebody's not going to reach out to you because you had like one thousand likes. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. You cannot tell what post is going to really bring you, you know, that person who is going to give you a gig that's gonna change you forever, right? Yeah. So like tying into that, I'm just gonna say that this is me talking about linkedin because i know it has worked for me and i know a number of people linkedin didn't work for yeah, it, it worked for me back then too though exactly so i think that you know just find a platform that works for you i know somebody now who is eating so much money from twitter i don't know how they do it i genuinely do not like it i don't like twitter so <laughs> it's one like i've tried you know i went onto twitter and then i began to, i took all of my posts from linkedin and then i went onto twitter let me build a community as well but it wasn't working for me at all so i left it just find that platform that you think is going to work the same thing as instagram as well like i came on linkedin instagram, instagram i was getting you know the followers were now beginning to follow me commenting and engaging and at some point i just lost i lost the <laughs> the juice like i lost the it didn't really appeal to me anymore you know so i just stopped so i'm just saying linkedin because obviously linkedin really really works for yeah. me or it's working for me it worked for me but you know just check on that platform you think don't work for you it could be twitter it could be instagram people are literally this content creation thing now people are literally eating off instagram like it's something else it could be tiktok you know just find what's gonna work for you and just keep ahead and also be consistent honestly like don't yeah. don't think that i'm gonna try for like i'm gonna do like 31 days challenge if nothing happens i'm gonna stop like don't do that like <laughs> Don't pressure yourself that much, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Elvis dragging our wigs and our heads. <laughs> All right. I'm curious. How do you stay up to date on the trends and the news of the fashion industry? Oh, it's really just like reading publications, following them, checking on what the publications are posting, and also following like fashion editors, checking on okay. what they are doing, looking at um, a few hashtags, being subscribed to a few newsletters. Okay. So if you're not subscribed, go on to subscribe to Marmalade Ventures, the newsletter. Okay. Marmalade adventures yeah subscribe i'm just you know preaching the people that i work <laughs> yeah, with so like fine. yeah just like subscribe to our newsletters to be honest because that's also i know marmalade really just we take stories from very trusted sources and mm-hmm. then just bring it to you because most of the times you might be very busy and you might not really be on the cusp of the news so you know they just mesh all of these with things in one newsletter and just send it to you and then you check on the stories and also be abreast of what's going on yeah in the yeah. news but that's really what i do i just like you know check on newsletters i follow a lot of the platforms and 
social media i also follow their editors as well check on what do they post also a little bit of hashtags and also contribute myself because yeah. obviously i also write and people also you know tend to keep up what i do as well so yeah that's pretty much all right then imagine this someone reaches out to you on linkedin mm-hmm. with the hopes to become a fashion journalist mm-hmm. what skills would you say are needed to be a sought after fashion journalist I know it's going to sound weird, but just learn to write. Mm. I think that's mostly it, first of all. Because obviously, like, if you don't know how to write, it might be hard. So you kind of want to learn that. But also, know what's going on around you, Yeah. right? So I'm always talking about African fashion. And I know people who reached out to me because, well, with Beauty Matter, for example, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, like, you really know mm-hmm. what's happening within, like, you know, the fashion and beauty space in Africa. And we kind of want you to help us bring this market. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So just learn, because they even reached out to me on LinkedIn to be honest so uh, I was going to ask that just now <laughs> yeah they reached out to me on LinkedIn as well because one of the editors was like oh are you interested in contributing and I was like mm, for sure am I supposed to say no of <laughs> course I want to do that <laughs> so, so yeah so they sent me their email and then I sent an email to them like hi it's me I'm going to reach out to you and then I sent a CV as well and that's it even with the people oh my god I'm digressing but like even with the people that I talked to for the ME and the BA um, schools as well mm-hmm. it was also from LinkedIn that most of that the course leaders also reached out to me. So, wow. you know, it's really just speaking from like, you know, that place of authority. If you're going to do that, I think one of the major skills, honestly, is being aware of the market, like being aware of the kind of place that you want to, you know, cover. Okay. I guess also be like a very good reader. Mm-hmm. But this is honestly an advice for me, to be honest, because I know it's weird, but I don't really read, 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 read so much, to be honest. I might just get really tired. I might just read and then I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to skip to the end to see what really happens. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to be a good reader because you want to, it might be harder for you to find your own voice if you do not understand the kind of voices that people write from. Yeah. You get. So most people like to write from in a place of storytelling. I don't want to call this person's name, but I have a friend who I'm, I've told her, like, I'm obsessed with another other friends writing like they're right i'm obsessed with how this babe writes the way she writes is so crazy i'm like how do you write like that it's so immersive she makes you feel like you're part of that story she comes from like you know this storytelling angle Mm -hmm. the choice of words she used where she puts her hyphens the commas the first of everything just you know blends so perfectly so if you want to be as good as a writer you also have to want to read about you want to read like you know other people's work for you to be able to improve on your skills like just hone it basically yeah so do like things you know be an avid reader also learn to always write at least like write a paragraph every day be on the cusp of what's going on because obviously how are you going to say to people that you know what's happening if you don't know what's happening or if you don't like you know talk about it true, so true yeah those are like some of the things on the top of my head right now thank you for that now what is the misconception that you get almost every day about becoming a fashion journalist or the life or career of a fashion journalist people just think that they are because you like the fashion journalism you're gonna be getting invites to like you know some of this like top fashion shoes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah like you're gonna you're gonna be getting a lot of pr i don't even think i received any pr since i've begun to write right <laughs> so people think that you know you're gonna get like this mad ass pr or you're gonna be invited to this top fashion event yeah. or you're going to you dress really really 
amazing you do this and you do it. <laughs> like really brah like fashion industry is so it's so stressful to be honest like forget about the glitz and the glamour and the it is so stressful trust me you have to do so much to be honest like you kind of have to like you know sacrifice so much those are like that's like a very huge misconception how glamorous and glitzy the fashion industry is so, yeah. like you know fashion journalism in this case is they're gonna fly you out to cover south african fashion week oh chanel came to senegal they're gonna fly you out so you, you can also cover what's gonna <laughs> yeah no it doesn't really work like that all right now we all know that writers are creatives yeah mm-hmm. sometimes when you're working on the road an idea eats you for your next article mm. Or even when you're in the bathroom, mm-hmm. how do you keep track of creative ideas when the writing process begins? So what I do is once it hits me, I just go on my on my image draft, for example. I think I have like 99 plus drafts, topic ideas. <laughs> yeah, I just go on there and then I just drop mm-hmm. it there immediately because um, if I don't do it then, I'm, it's, it's sure for me, see, I go forget. <laughs> like I know for a fact that I'm going to forget, mm-hmm. you know, so I just go on my draft and I do it immediately. But um, also, I, I go on my Google Docs because Google Docs like saves automatically. Yeah. I mean, I used to use my iPhone Note, but iPhone Notes, I don't know, like most times you could just restart, restart your phone and then it's no longer there. So I just go on Google Docs and then I put it there. I have tons of drafts I've also made there. But those are like the major places that I do it. I go on my email draft or I go on Google Docs, like just quickly, you know, jot it down as fast as I can. Or if I don't have them and I have like a book and a pen, I just go on and quickly scribble it before I forget. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of creativity, what role does storytelling play in your content writing process? Oh, storytelling plays a hundred percent role in my content writing process. It literally plays a hundred percent role. Okay. Right. If you even check my LinkedIn profile, I don't just go and just write. Like, I kind of want to tell you how my day went, what did I do today. Then I'll now use it to like you know create that content that's going to tie into fashion or beauty or culture. Okay. So yeah, I don't write from a place of non-experience to be honest. I, yeah. I, because I just feel like I don't have an authority to do that. I feel like if you're going to write about queer people, you kind of have to be a queer person. Yeah. If you're going to write about religion, you kind of have to like experience both worlds if you want to do that. So storytelling does personally. It, it really does. Okay. Now, I know you mentioned Google Docs, mm-hmm. but what other tools do you use day to day as part of your workflow? So currently, I'm now trying to use Miro. Miro is like one of the major things now that's happening. Either Miro or Miro. You know, I don't even know how to pronounce it. M-I-R-O. I think it's Miro. Yeah. So it's like one of the major things now that everybody's trying to use. It, it really helps. I'm currently using because obviously I'm in fashion school now. So yeah. you want to have like a place where you keep your projects. So I use Miro. I use Canva. Okay. Um, obviously Google Docs. That's like the major, major one for me. Google Docs. Definitely. Yeah. Because Google Docs, I use it to draft my pitch ideas. I use it to draft the actual documents. I literally use it to construct my CV and my cover letter as well. <laughs> I, th- I think Google Docs is like that family member. Everyone <laughs> yeah, it's else. like, yeah, she's that girl. Yeah, exactly. She's that girl like it's her so I use Google Docs a lot but I'm also using PowerPoints as well now because I'm trying to I'm trying to like do so much more for myself I've always run away from that no you kind of have to use PowerPoint because <laughs> in school you literally are always having assessments and assignments or we wanted to create a presentation about this campaign wanted to do this and do that so you have to use PowerPoint mm-hmm. and also I use Google Spreadsheet okay. because something I have learned recently from other people is keeping track of your pitch of the pitches that you send out so I have a Google Spreadsheet where pitches are sent out 
about i have them did i get a response do i have to follow up mm-hmm. and all of that and also have like another spreadsheet where i have names of editors and their emails where do they work yeah. what stories do they like to commission i have all of that so i can always reach out to them in case i have stories that can work for them as well so yeah google spreadsheet PowerPoint presentation, yeah google docs and my then there's canva okay that's very organized <laughs> yeah i don't really think i'm that organized to be honest but i think i'm trying <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing, trying you're doing do it way better than i am <laughs> yeah i'm trying to do that to be honest all right then winding down what are some mistakes that you've made along your career journey and what lessons did you learn from them oh number one mistake i know i made was pitching obsessively to an editor or to any editor okay yeah so don't ever do that because at some point it's gonna feel like because at some point i'm like did you even read this pitch because the whole oh yeah sorry it's a pass oh yeah we're gonna pass oh, yeah sorry we're gonna it feels like you don't want to work with me like if you know you don't want to work with me just let me know you know that's kind of what i always thought because then i was pitching back to back if you reject my pitch today in like two hours i'm going to send you another one <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and that's honestly a mistake because then most editors are going to think that you didn't take the time to read about the publication to know whether or not it's going to work. It's going to work. The story that you're pitching is going to work for them. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the major mistakes I made pitching without looking back. I was pitching story ideas. Yeah. You know, I was, <laughs> in retrospect, it was very, very bad. Like I was pitching back to back. So definitely avoid that if you can. Another I did was not respecting people's privacy. That's the privacy of the editors. So I know one of the editors who actually blocked me. And before they blocked me, they actually altered oh, me. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I deserve it 100% because to be fair, they told me, oh, um, do you think we can move this conversation to the email? Because then I was talking to them on Instagram. I was like, hi, I have this really amazing idea for you. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you know? And they're like, I try to separate work from social media. So please don't send me anything here. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. And then after a few weeks, they didn't respond to me and then I saw that they commissioned somebody and I reached out to them on Instagram again like <laughs> and the editor literally just like took me out like they took me out from their following because they were following me at the time they removed me from they stopped following me they removed me from their followers list as well oh, wow. and I think they but I don't think they blocked on email anyways but I think they left the magazine now but yeah you kind of want to respect privacy, yeah. people's privacy I wish I realized that on time you know I mean it's not LinkedIn where you can just go because obviously LinkedIn has like you know placed itself as like this yeah. professional yeah. It, it's more or less like expected for you to to send messages exactly. like that yeah yeah so not but not instagram ah always but i wish i knew that <laughs> but yeah i think that um that's like another mistake i made um another mistake i also would love like people to avoid is to be honest is thinking that honestly it's something i struggle with but like it's imposter syndrome it's that idea that mm-hmm. yeah i i don't think i'm good enough you know even with all of the things that i have had i'm still like you that you have not written for you for here you have not written here you have not done this I'm not yeah. here. Like, who do you think you are and all of that it really just begins to dampen on your self-confidence and how well you think you you are or how great you are in you know, a particular thing mm-hmm. so at times where that begins to happen i just begin to run away whatever I, I know causes me to think like that i try to block it basically so i go on social media detox i try not to do anything just talk to a few friends and that's that's all i do doesn't that worsen the imposter syndrome though no but i don't think it does to be honest because obviously Obviously, now I am no longer exposed to the thing that makes me feel like, oh, I'm no longer worth it. Mm. Because somebody might just write for this byline and I'm ah, I have been pitching to this editor. Like, this editor has been posting me. Like, and this person got it, like, on a platter. Yeah, exactly. It feels like, oh, this person has been doing it, you know. But 
um, yeah, so I go on like this detox because then I no longer get to see it and everybody's happy because I don't feel jealous of anybody. We're literally all on our own journeys. You get what I mean? I'm, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get there. It's just going to take time, but you definitely get there. The, another mistake is obvious comparing, you know, your work to the work of other people. Oh, shit, like this person is doing so well. Look at them. This, that, and that, and that, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it's really not great. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> obviously, you're what, three years into this thing. Like the people you are comparing yourself with have been on for what seven eight years like <laughs> True. Please, let's get real do you get what i mean so mm-hmm. yeah i those are like some of the things i know i struggled with or the mistakes i know i made and i'd honestly love for other people not to do that um yeah as much as nature down is very important you also want to explore mm-hmm. you know you want to find your interests to be honest you want to find what's going to work for you are you interested in writing or would you rather do something much more different yeah you know so that's kind of something that i, I was lucky enough honestly to find to learn that I, this is where I kind of want to stay and this is where I want to build something off of but most people might not really have that so you kind of want to also explore as well but just make sure that whilst you're doing that your time is not passing yeah, yeah like you're not chasing after something very amiss just make sure that it's very substantial anyways that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what I, I would say I, I think I get that I get mm-hmm. that alright on a lighter note yeah because that was very deep (laughs) (laughs) on a lighter note what are some of the successes and accomplishments along your writing career journey Mm. I would start for you I would say the first one would be would be the 900 dollars project you know like that was gonna be (laughs) so I'll start for you alright go ahead you know like that was gonna I was gonna say how I was gonna go into this question was I was gonna say uh, I think most of the accomplishments most people might not recognize it but they're very personal to me and that's because of the money I have received from it but I can't really post about it because yeah. it's not something you can just post about you know it's not like oh my this byline yeah. especially from where again I can relate because of what the country we're coming from you know <laughs> I, I think I remember when I think it was Taiwa you know yeah. he made this video about NNs and all of that and then people started attacking those people instead of actually learning from it so yeah I think I can, yeah. I think I can relate to that like oh why is somebody living in the house I, I think i saw a lot of the backlash as well like why is somebody living here why would somebody have a kitchen as this you know mm-hmm. well this is somebody's this life they're literally getting close to ninety thousand dollars what did you expect you should learn you know how, this how money to even become like that exactly <laughs> rather than just doing that but yeah um the bulk of the best things that i've had but it's really not even about the money to be honest it's just the fact that i can't really post about it because it wasn't like something that was published published mm-hmm. you know it was just you know very research based and just moved on from there and but the other one which you know paid that much it was like an ebook so i really couldn't you know post it but those are like the biggest accomplishments but also the not so big ones which are honestly really big as well is the one with the bbc i'm always talking about like oh my god yeah, yeah you know i'm going on the bbc i think i was like one of the first nigerian people persons to contribute to essence magazine as well mm. um, standing ovation yeah, like that was also really big funny <laughs> no i remember when i did our fashion week and i felt so elated because then Lagos fashion week and style house files also posted it so that kind of also boosted you mm-hmm. know my social presence that was also really good i also really contributed to ok africa which is like one of the you know most revered publications that focuses like african news and stuff mm-hmm. we had these things oh 
yeah, so I've taught like MA students, which is honestly going to always go on my school board. Yeah. That was that was such a defining moment for me. Yeah, I, that was that was cool. No, that, that was, was very really cool. cool. I can't even lie. That was very good. I can't even lie. You know, doing that, teaching MA students in the UK whilst I was in Nigeria and doing that with South African students, BA South African BA students as well, whilst I was also in Nigeria oh, wow. was also really, really good. Until now it's like the major thing on my CV. Oh, I have you know taught MA and BA students. That was really good. I remember when the counselor reached out to me and you know we went on like this really long zoom call we're talking about it oh how is it gonna go what is it gonna be oh and also i did this research work for bloomsbury okay. um it's about awareness and fashion industry in africa so bloomsbury is yeah, like I this did, i think i read that on your portfolio yeah this bloomsbury thing bloomsbury is this publishing house so and they publish um fashion stories and like fashion news and fun fact when i went to fashion school <laughs> they literally posted oh they didn't post my work like let's not <laughs> i saw the publisher on one of the screens i was like oh my god like i've really actually you know made a, a four thousand word piece to these people that was also a defining moment for me as well so wow. yeah i think those are like really really amazing um achievements bbc essence thompson Reuters, which was like a very big publication and then going on to lecture ba mba students mm -hmm. and then make, having my piece on one of the publishing one of the biggest fashion publishing platforms wow. in, you know well the done. all right then. thank you so much for your time of course no i had so much fun talking to you i can't even lie this was such uh, yeah, I, I really had fun yeah, talking know, about this too. Because the bulk of the times, I'm always the person who is asking questions like, oh, tell us about your plan, how did you do this and mm -hmm. that. So it's really nice to be on the other side to also experience, you know, what it feels like. But also, I kind of like, I do talk, so. So yeah, but yeah, thank you very much for having me. I genuinely had a good time. Thank, thank you so much too. And thank you for being transparent. Thank you for being open. Thank you for the entire gist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm much of a talker. I, I just realized I really like to, yeah, I, I did talk like stay. <laughs> thanks for joining me on this episode of marketing over wine to listen to more career stories of marketing professionals around the world subscribe on spotify apple podcast google podcast or any podcast app of your choice or simply visit marketingoverwine.com to stay up to date